Welcome to the first episode of Outside the System. Today's guest is Oscar Mary, the founder of Fountain. Fountain is an app that allows you to support your favorite podcasters using Bitcoin and allows podcasters to get paid in a decentralized way using Value for Value and Podcasting 2.0. We got into a lot of cool things in this discussion, including free speech, some of the risks with what Fountain is doing, where they hope to take the product in the future, and a whole lot more. Remember, you can actually support outside the system on Fountain or any app that supports podcasting 2.0. I'm curious to hear what you guys think, and uh, let's dive into the episode. Oscar, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Neil. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for being the guinea pig, episode one. So we'll, uh, we'll have to see how it, how it goes. So let's dive right in. I mean, I've been fascinated by this whole podcasting 2.0 thing. I think I came across it maybe through a friend or through, I think maybe Adam Curry was on the Rogan podcast or something. And that's where I first heard about it. And I was like, hey, I have a podcast. Made you think, like, let me understand what is this whole podcast 2.0 thing. Maybe you can start by actually just explaining that because I think it's still a little bit under the radar for even for, you know, people who podcast themselves or, or listen to podcasts pretty often. Yeah, definitely. So Podcasting 2.0 is a movement created by Adam Curry and Dave Jones. And there's really two aspects to it. The first is they have a goal of preserving the open nature of podcasting. So one of the things we're seeing at the moment is the big tech platforms like Apple and Spotify starting to create features around podcasting that are within their own walled gardens. And one of the amazing things about podcasting is that it's open, it's built on the open standard of RSS. And so that's the first part of podcasting 2.0. The second part is to actually extend the RSS namespace. So actually build upon the existing features that exist and introduce new cool features that listeners want to see and that podcasters want to see. One of those new features uh, that we're most excited about at Fountain is the value block. And this is what allows any podcaster to accept streaming payments over the Bitcoin Lightning Network simply by putting their node address in their RSS feed. So yeah, a bit of some technical stuff at the end there, but that's a high level overview. Interesting. I have a lot of follow-up questions on that. So I mean, my first one would be, so I previously for Made You Think we used uh, Patreon in the past. We used to be a weekly podcast and that got to be a bit too much, but we had a Patreon at that time. So how would this kind of like as a podcaster, right? If you hear about this value for value, how does this relate to other revenue drivers that, you know, podcasters traditionally have like ads or Patreon or, you know, other other areas? Like how would this uh, kind of relate to that? Yeah, so I think this is not necessarily a replacement for existing podcaster income streams. This is just an alternate method and actually is a better method for many reasons. But just to give you a kind of side-by-side example, if we compare it to Patreon, one of the problems with Patreon as a podcaster is that there's quite a lot of friction that's involved in actually driving your listeners to Patreon and then, you know, going through the subscription selection process, choosing which tier you want to be on creating a patreon account etc etc you actually have to leave the podcast app go to a web browser there's just a lot of friction involved with value for value and podcasting 2.0 the apps that support this standard just give the listener the ability to pay right as they're listening the listener can either stream money per minute so i could set for example, 50 sats per minute, there's 100 million sats or satoshis in one Bitcoin. Or I can send what's called a boost, which is kind of like a one-off payment with a message that lets the podcaster know that you're enjoying the episode. So value for value and podcasting 2.0 is very similar to Patreon. It's just, you can kind of think of it like we've taken that concept and brought it into the podcast player. And now we're starting to create some more creative features because we have access to programmable money in the form of the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Yeah. And how has the response from podcasters been? And the reason I ask this is 
I actually really like the boost feature. So I haven't done streaming sats uh, myself yet as a user, but I really like the boost feature. And one of the habits that I've gotten into now is like when I listen to a really good episode, even if I you know find it on YouTube or something, right? I end up going into Fountain, seeing if it's value for value enabled. And if it is, then I leave a boost for that podcast. You know, a lot of podcasts are not unless they're Bitcoin related or, I mean, there are a bunch that are not Bitcoin related too. I don't want to be unfair, but the, it certainly leans Bitcoin related. So like Tales from the Crypt is one that I, I really enjoy, Marty Bent's podcast and uh, and uh, Matt O'Dell's. But I mean, they're obviously on on Fountain and, and, and they have value for value enabled. But if it's a non- Bitcoin podcast, for example, the odds that I find it there are, are not super high. So what, how has the response been so far? Is that just, that's been the initial market simply because it's a really cool use case of lightning or is it just maybe your personal network? Like how did you end up starting there and, and kind of what's the plan for podcasters moving forward? Yeah, great question. There's a lot there. And I would say that initially when we launched this feature, the obvious benefit we thought was that the podcaster would get paid. But actually, there's so much more to it than that, because one of the most valuable things as a podcaster to receive is the actual message, not necessarily the payment. Because when you get that message from the listener in the form of a boost, not only do you get the, the message, but it also comes attached with a timestamp literally from the, the moment that they sent the message in the episode. So that can be really useful. And then also you can use the payment, you can use the payment amount as a kind of filter to sense check, okay, you know, I got this many messages for this episode, but then the next episode, I got the same number of messages, but the payment amounts were so much higher with that message. So there's a lot of really, really valuable signal that comes from these boost messages to the podcaster. The other benefit which we didn't anticipate is it's actually it's such a good feeling as a listener to be able to send a boost with a message because what it does is creates a connection between the listener and the host that previously wasn't there before. Previously, if you wanted to get in touch with a podcaster, you would have to maybe find their email address, send them a DM on social media, maybe they have a contact form on their website. And let's be honest, like a lot of those communication channels often don't work or make it through. With value for value, because you're attaching the message to a payment, you can kind of, you have a sense that that's going to get through and they're going to read it because you're actually thanking them with money. And it makes listening to a podcast so much more interesting because you feel like at any time you can just reach out to the host. And podcasting is already very intimate. You know, you have the host's voice in your ear. You feel like you have a connection. And what's really cool about the boost is, yeah, you, that connection is enhanced because you can you feel like you can communicate. Yeah, that's super cool. So it's like you kind of feel like you can reach out at any time during the episode. So it becomes more interactive and you know that they're going to see it. I think that's the other big thing. I think one other feature that isn't talked about enough, at least in this area, is the fact that you can do episode by episode splits with your co-host or with your guests. And I thought that was really cool. I think um, TFTC was the first time I ever saw a, a podcast doing that, where they were splitting between Marty, Matt, and then the producers as well, which was super cool. And so as somebody giving them a boost, right, you can like transparently see exactly where your sats are going. Like, it's like, okay, I, I think they were doing like 42, 42 and uh, 16 or something with the producer. And it's like, yeah, that's great, actually, because the producer, you know, should actually be getting something out of that rather than it being like a black hole, you know, of where <laughs> where the uh, money is going if it's a Patreon, for example. Yeah, exactly. This is one of the coolest features of Value for Value. And to be honest, it's it's more of an advanced feature at the moment, because as you previously mentioned, it's already quite a big ask to talk to a podcaster, tell them about Bitcoin and the Lightning Network if they're not familiar with that, ask them to get set up, ask them to then ask their listeners to, you know, uh, get some Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. So there's a lot of steps before that that we're still working through and, and they're becoming easier every month that goes past. But the episode level splits specifically, I think in the future are going to be massive because think about this example whereby 
Maybe you're interviewing somebody on your show that has an incredible open source project, an incredible project in your local community. And all of a sudden, you as the host can say to your listeners, hey, guys, if you love what this person is doing, if you want to support this project, you don't have to go to a website. You don't have to fill out any form or do anything. All you have to do is hit that same boost button in your podcast player and all of the money for this episode or 50% of the money for this episode, whatever it is, is going to go towards that project or that cause. And it's just incredibly flexible and reduces the friction of the payment from the listener to the host. And transparent, right? It's like it's just like really nice as yeah. somebody who is actually the one spending that money or giving that money to know exactly where it's going which, you know, I don't think is too common in a lot of other areas. Like, I mean, I'm subscribed to a few Patreons for podcasters and uh, comedians that I like, but all you can see is the total, right? You can't really see, you can see how much money they're getting on a monthly basis. That's transparent, but you can't see that, oh, they spent 30,000 of that on travel and 10,000 of that on their producer. And you have no idea as the donor, you know, you, you can just see the total. So I think it is really cool. And then to your point about raising money for causes or projects, I think a couple of the podcasters on Fountain are actually doing that, right? I've seen, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on whose podcast I, I gave some money to uh, or some stats to a couple days ago, but I saw there was like um, some type of like fund that part of the, the, the payment went to. As I said, the episode level splits are, are still early. Yeah, but we're starting to see more use cases like that. And also, I think one of the other things as well is it's an opportunity for podcasters to actually give back to their listeners. So one of the things right now, at least in Fountain, in our podcaster wallet, you can only add somebody into your splits by actually adding their Lightning Node pub key. We're working on a feature whereby you'd be able to just add somebody into the splits with their from their Fountain username, which makes the redistribution of the splits much simpler. So yeah, still early days with episode level splits, but it's definitely one of the most exciting features. From a psychology standpoint, have you run into an issue where people like want to just hold on to their Bitcoin? Because I've, I, I mean, I've talked to people working on a lot of other projects, right? And like, I think like, so I'm by background, like a business operator. And one of the biggest things that I would love to see in Bitcoin is like a true Bitcoin economy where you know you don't need to convert back and forth between fiat and bitcoin that's just you know once it's in bitcoin you're part of this bitcoin economy and you can get whatever you need and do whatever you need to do like that's the dream right but i find that on one hand everybody kind of likes that dream but on the other hand everybody's like i don't want to spend my bitcoin like it's my stash basically right and so that is a question i guess that i have for you is like how have you guys dealt with that and how how do you think about that right because in some ways like People might be like, well, I'd, I'm happy to tip this podcaster a dollar. That's fine. But I'd rather not tip them my sets because, you know, that's not not being inflated away and might, you know, hopefully would appreciate in value over time. I think there's a couple of things there. I think, firstly, there definitely is a hesitation on some people's part when you mention, oh, Bitcoin and they're into Bitcoin and they've got their, you know, Bitcoin that they're hodling and they want to hold on to. I think. One thing is, once you support one of your favorite podcasts through this system for the first time, you'll find it's an incredible experience and you want to keep doing that. Like we've heard so many people say that, you know, once they've started supporting podcasts like this, they don't want to go back to the old way because they lose that connection between the host and the listener that I talked about. I think the second point to mention is that this is how I top up my wallet on Fountain and how most of our users do it. This is not your, you know, Bitcoin in cold storage. This is not your Bitcoin that you have as an investment. This is like a regular top up. So another incredibly exciting thing about this is people are actually, once they top up their Fountain wallet, they continue to top up their Fountain wallet again and again and again. And essentially, they're just buying more Bitcoin every time that they want to use it. So every couple of weeks, they'll buy some more Bitcoin, top up Fountain, and then send that Bitcoin out over the next few weeks. So thinking about it that way kind of gets rid of that hesitation around wanting to hold on to it. But it's really interesting that we're actually onboarding new people to Bitcoin that don't actually care about it from the perspective of the monetary philosophy, don't actually care about it 
as an investment, they're the only reason they are buying Bitcoin is so that they can support their favorite podcast. They know none of the other stuff. And obviously, we're big believers in Bitcoin for, for the other reasons, but we don't mind people just using it to support podcasts. That's the whole point. We could actually even get rid of the word Bitcoin in the entire app because the, the label Bitcoin, we don't think necessarily you know, adds or removes anything in the use case. It's just there is no other payment technology that allows us to stream money per minute. It just doesn't exist. It's just the, the tool under, underneath what we're actually doing. That's super cool. And actually, on a related note to that, I had a like, I've been giving people that sort of Bitcoin aha moment with Strike in a very similar way. You know how you can pay a lightning invoice, right? Like with via Strike, but the end user, the sort of person paying doesn't necessarily need to know that they're paying in sats because you can you can basically have dollars in your account and let's say it's a ten dollar invoice a uh, lightning invoice but it's in it's in lightning right i mean it's sats but they don't have any sats in their strike account they just have ten dollars they can still pay that invoice with those ten dollars and strike basically does that conversion and sends me the sats so i've had that with like people paying me back for dinners and stuff or like splitting you know for dinners and the sort of aha moment that they have is like, oh, wait, so there was no bank involved. Like the money is already in your wallet. Like I haven't even walked back to the other side of the table yet. And you already have the money. And, you know, compare that to like an ACH payment or something. You know, you have multiple days, you have a middleman. I mean, there's just a lot of, it's a very different system. And then people's head, you know, their wheels start turning in their head like, oh, wait, so this is what that whole Bitcoin thing is about. In a similar way, I could see something like that for Fountain, right? Where it's like, this is just a way to support your your favorite podcasters. And the currency part of that is just the technology, basically, that enables you to go do that per minute support. Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, you can't do that with a credit card. I mean, there's podcasts which I listen to like a clip or a few minutes of, get some value. And I'm like, I don't feel like listening to the whole episode, but it's useful. I'm just going to send you 100 sets, which is what, like six cents or four cents or something exactly you can't that, do that and that's actually <laughs> exactly and that's actually that reminds me of, of something that i didn't mention earlier when you're thinking about the comparison of something like patreon to this model patreon fundamentally is a subscription model and subscription models do not make sense for podcasts because think about how you listen to podcasts you dip in and out you subscribe to a whole bunch of podcasts and you don't necessarily listen to every episode from every show. You just dive in and out. And maybe one month you get incredible value from one show and another month you get incredible value from a different show. It's much better to have some kind of financial support system that is on demand because it allows matches up to the actual listener experience that you have with podcasting. And that's what makes this system so amazing. Also, because it's in the moment, because it's Whenever you hear that two minutes of incredible insight on an episode, you don't have to then hold on to that feeling for two weeks until they ask you to sign up to Patreon. Or to, you can just instantly pay. And so you end up actually paying more than you would on a subscription just because it's in the moment. Yeah, interesting. And because you're, it's like you're, they have that feeling right at that moment. They don't have to wait and remember or forget along the way and then not end up signing up. Yeah. That makes complete sense. I don't want to spend the entire time on Lightning because I think, you know, Lightning is super cool and is obviously a, it's enabling all of this. But I think there's a lot more to what Fountain is doing and what you're building. So I definitely want to make sure we, we spend some time on that. But last thing on Lightning. So this is one of the coolest use cases I've seen of Lightning. What are some of the other projects or things that you've seen which are like not super focused on... Because, you know, there's the obvious like this enables payments for merchants or something, right? Which is... I think the obvious use case to everybody when Lightning even first came about, you guys are a really cool, like I would call secondary use case. Like you're using this technology to enable all these different things. What are some other projects just that you've seen in the market or that, that you've been playing around with? Yeah, it's a great question. I think another product that I love is something called Stacker News, which is essentially like Hacker News, but with Lightning built in. Which, So what it does hmm. is every time you post on stacker news it costs you one sat and then other people instead of upvoting you just with likes or upvotes they actually upvote you with sats and it's all built on lightning and so if you 
contribute a lot of value to the Sacker News community, you will earn basically a lot of a lot of sats in return for that. And I think it's it just fundamentally, I just think attaching payments to information flow in a programmable way just increase the signal of that information. I think there's so many use cases for that across all kinds of industries and, and verticals, especially within media. I think, yeah, tying payments to information flow within media is is just going to increase the signal of that media. It's skin in the game in some ways, right, too. It's like it's very cheap to just say something. I mean, you could say your reputation is at risk, but in the digital world, right, the reputation is not always at risk because you could have an avatar, you could have a, a username like on Hacker News, for example. Whereas now you're putting, you're kind of bringing back skin in the game while maintaining uh, like anonymity, right? Like where it's, you can still be an anonymous user, but there's skin in the game in the sense that you have to put up value to even post. That has the obvious benefit of spam prevention, which is such a big problem on the internet. I mean, look at Twitter, like every single tweet from anyone with a big following and you look at the replies and it's all spam and bots. I mean, lightning is the obvious fix for this and it's working right now. There's that benefit. But also, I just think the signal that comes with the payment is so high. Like, for example, if I see that you have sent a massive boost to a specific episode on Fountain, I know that there's a lot of signal there. I know that you've really got value out of that episode. And so it signals to me, okay, Mm. I'm picking an episode to listen to today. Maybe I should pick that one versus another one. And it's just a great way to for actually for podcasters to boost discovery for their episodes so that's not even a use case i had ever thought of that makes complete sense is that then transparent like in fountain today that i can see like a running list of like what episodes or shows have gotten the most boosts yeah so not right now although we're actually in the process of rolling out a lot of these features one of the features that we actually launched last week is something we're calling lightning comments and so this essentially surfaces the boost on the episode screen. So you could go on to an episode of whether it's Tales from the Crypt or any value-enabled show, and you could go onto the episode screen and you can see the boost ranked by the Satoshi value of the boost. You can also actually reply to the boost and all of the money that's attached to those comments goes back to the podcaster. So that's one example. Also, if you are following somebody on Fountain, because we have you know profiles in there as well, you'll get a notification if anybody that you follow creates a boost. So you'll be able to see like, okay, if I leave a boost, again, with a high sat value, you'll get a notification, you'll see that you can click through to the episode and view that. So that's like the first step for us. But I think, yeah, definitely capturing the signal that comes along with those payments and using that to aid things like discovery and also just you know engagement i think that's something we definitely want to do more of yeah that makes complete sense i think one thing to to clarify too for the listeners that took me a minute to understand about podcasting 2.0 is that a lot of these features on top of the sort of basic value for value that's fountain doing that but the basic value for value feature is something that is available outside of just Fountain, right? Because I think one of the things I've heard from podcasters when I bring this up, there's a little bit of confusion because I often now promote the Fountain links for for my podcast because I just like the platform and that's the link that I choose to promote. But other people are, have asked me like, oh, so how is this different than being like a Spotify podcast, right? Or like something that's just on this one uh, platform. And I, my response is that Fountain is not it's not just on Fountain, it's on any podcast player that enables podcasting 2.0, but I'm sure you can explain that better than I can. (laughs) This is the incredible thing about podcasting 2.0 and what Adam and Dave have created and are leading. So think about Spotify and the payments that Spotify are building into their platform. They only exist within the Spotify ecosystem, whereas Value for Value and podcasting 2.0, the payments exist on the open internet and anybody can implement them, anybody can interact with them. So, for example, an RSS feed where you host your podcast is completely open. Anybody can self-host an RSS feed and can self-host a podcast. Because the payments are built on Bitcoin Lightning, you can just run your own Lightning node and put the public address of that Lightning node in your self-hosted RSS feed, 
and a fountain listener can pay you by the minute streaming money to you. It's completely open and it also works cross app as well. So if you're a podcaster, whether you're self-hosting your own RSS feed and Lightning Node, whether you're using a fountain podcaster wallet or whether you're using another service, any app, be it Fountain or another Podcasting 2.0 app or, or anything else, we can all pay you. And actually, in the future, we'll be able to actually share the messages uh, between those apps too. So one of the things we're doing with the Lightning Comments idea is actually surfacing all of those boosts out to other apps. So if they want to actually read them, display them in their app and actually reply to them too, that's all possible over the Lightning Network. So yeah, this is a completely open standard. And I think that's great in the long run for consumers because at the end of the day, it's just more competition. You know, we're competing against all of the other apps. And if one day just stop adding to the product or stop building, someone else can come along and just, you know, build on top of it rather than having to start again from scratch. Yeah. And do you ever worry about like centralization risk with the app stores? Like I was thinking you probably get, you know, everybody's using it. I mean, I don't know if everyone's using it on iOS, but I'm sure you have, I don't even know if you have an Android app actually, because I have iOS myself. You know, do you ever worry about like Apple, since Apple is a big player in podcasts as well, looking at you and saying, oh, this violates, you know, term X, Y, or Z, like because of crypto payments or wallets or, I, I mean, I'm sure they have some kind of terms around this because, you know, other, you're not the only app that has a wallet, but yeah, I was just curious if you ever worry about that. Yeah, it is a worry. I think, yeah, so we are live on iOS and Android, by the way. But yeah, on the app stores, they do hold an incredible amount of power. And so it is a threat. I think one thing that gives me optimism around it is that this is not just podcast apps. This is not just, you know, uh, Bitcoin Lightning, uh, apps that integrate Bitcoin Lightning. You know, every company is fighting the battle against Apple and Google to allow, you know, alternate payment systems and things like that. And I think it's actually going in the right direction. So you saw the, the I forget what the name of it was, but there was a court case recently with, I think, Epic Games and, you know, Apple were forced to allow alternate payment systems. So I think it's moving in the right direction. We, we were very nervous when we first submitted to Apple and we actually do use Apple's in-app purchase subscription as well we could because we have a premium subscription so i think that helps us on the approval side so we can say to apple look we're using your system but we're also using this alternate system too so there's still benefit to them because of you're using the in-app system yeah what does the premium subscription look like by the way what is what are the details on that yeah so right now the premium subscription is 2.99 a month and for that you get two uh, key benefits the first is we add a 5% fee to every Lightning transaction. And if you sign up to our premium subscription, we remove that fee. Um, so that's the first benefit. And then the second benefit is you're able to create playlists of the clips that you see on Fountain. So yeah, a big part of Fountain, as well as the Lightning payments, is the ability to create and share clips. And we believe that there's incredible insight and wisdom that's locked away in podcasts and there needs to be a better way to discover and share those insights. Um, so if you think about like the back catalog of your favorite podcast, there's probably hundreds of episodes. If someone new comes to that podcast, like how do they, how do they go about digging into the back catalog? We think by giving the listener the ability to create and share a clip and building in social features around that, we think that that's going to just you know, massively increase the way people discover not only old content, but new content as well. So yeah, the premium subscription gives you the ability to create playlists of clips. So I have a playlist on Bitcoin. People can go and check that out to like get a little um, overview of Bitcoin, different shows, what different people are saying, and then dig into the episode. What's your username actually on, uh, on Fountain? Yeah, my Fountain username is at Mary Oscar. And yeah, you can search me on Fountain, follow me, I'll follow you back. And yeah, okay, we'd love to see you there. That's awesome. And one other thought I just had actually around the, around the idea that, you know, you were saying this is a completely open standard versus something like Spotify, like we were just talking about, is around like the whole free speech debate, right? Like, I think, you know, I think a lot of Bitcoiners in particular are, 
you know, we're against government control of, of money. I think we're probably mostly out. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I would say mostly against government control of speech or at least centralized control of speech and, and what you can and cannot say, you know, compared to an ad driven model, for example, where advertisers can say, oh, you know, we're not comfortable sponsoring this podcast because of something you said or something, you know, we might think you said or implied versus this open standard for payment is probably a much more supportive uh, feature for free speech as well. That it's a way to drive revenue and, and, and income as a podcaster, regardless of what platform you're on and regardless of if advertisers want to support your show or not. Exactly. I think it's such an important point. And again, the beauty of having the podcast index, which is the open you know, database of podcasts that Adam and Dave run, means that you can always move to a different platform. You can always switch to a different app. I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with an app having, you know, content policies. But what, what it means is if, if one app chooses one content policy, then another app can choose a different one. And the, the actual data is still there. It doesn't get wiped off the face of the internet, like, which is what happens if, for example, you know, you get deplatformed from Twitter. Okay, all of your tweets are gone. All of your followers are gone. So, yeah, I think it's another really important part. Did you notice any kind of pickup with the whole uh, Rogan controversy a couple months ago? Were more podcasters like saying, I want to join something like this just in case? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people tagging Joe Rogan saying, when are you joining Fountain? But uh, we don't we don't quite have the hundreds of millions to be able to afford him just yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, maybe someday, though. I think that'll be that'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah um although although at the other on the other hand right like does it need to be it doesn't need to be a fountain exclusive podcast it's like that kind of is almost the opposite of what what you guys have been building i mean personally my view on exclusivity is as a podcaster going ex as a podcaster my belief is that you should never limit the reach of your content i think it's just the wrong approach so whether that's you know having a premium feed where you just sell a subscription to all of your audience or whether it's going exclusive on one platform. I think fundamentally in the long run, it's going to limit you. I think obviously with Joe Rogan, you know, difficult to turn down the, the kind of money that he was offered. But I, I do think we've seen his audience growth and his reach has been significantly limited since he made the switch to Spotify. I'm not saying he's necessarily gone down, but I think the upside that he was on a trajectory towards has actually been limited by that. So yeah, I think, you know, exclusives is something that we definitely would probably avoid. But I think there would be other reasons why we might be able to get someone high profile like that once the value for value model uh, picks up steam. And once we, you know, improve all of the onboarding challenges that we have right now with Lightning. Yeah, or I could see if there's somebody who's a kind of philosophical believer in in Lightning and in this open source system, right, rather than going exclusive. Like, I mean, he doesn't have a podcast, but if Jack had a podcast, right, I think that would be kind of interesting, right? I think he would probably go for something like this. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the $100 million that Spotify or whoever could throw at him. I don't even know if he could command that much money, but whatever somebody could pay him to be an exclusive, I don't think would be significant enough as a percentage of his net worth for it to matter. And uh, philosophically, he seems very well, you know, very much aligned with what Lightning is uh, is building. Yeah, he should have a podcast. It'd be pretty interesting. I'd listen. It would be great. I would listen. How did you, by the way, get into all of this? Like, it's a very specific thing to have gotten into. First, obviously, I'm curious about, you know, your Bitcoin journey, but also the fountain journey. Like, how did you get it? Like, how did you land on this, uh, this concept? Like, were you a, a podcaster? Were you looking at building a podcast app already? And then you just kind of merged your two interests? How did... Yeah, how did you get into all this? Yeah, so it was actually exactly as you describe it. It was the merging of two interests. And I feel incredibly lucky that they've merged in this way. So my background with Bitcoin was that I was very lucky early on. And a friend kind of told me about it quite early and managed to get some. And then I just forgot about it for years and then started paying attention properly in around the 2016, 2017 time frame and started you know reading more and it was around that time that i was like okay i believe in this as the future of you know the global monetary system 
but I never thought that I would necessarily work in Bitcoin or have anything to do with it professionally. It was more of just a personal belief. Then moving on to Fountain. So we, me and my business partner, Nick, we definitely started Fountain with the aim of solving this problem of uh, podcast discoverability. Because we think, as I said, I think there's just so much incredible content in podcasts that's locked away. Like we really believe in the power of spoken word audio to actually have a massive positive effect on people's lives. Before even starting Fountain, I was a massive podcast fan, massive podcast listener. And it's just something that we really believe in. And we, we thought that with the making it easy for listeners to actually create and share clips was the first step on the way there. So it was the start of 2021 that we started just playing around, building a prototype of some of the clipping uh, technology that we have. And at the same time as that, we started paying attention to what Adam and Dave were doing at Podcast Index. And as soon as the spec for the value block was you know, formally adopted, it was something that we just jumped on straight away. We're like already big believers in Bitcoin. Um, and so it was a no-brainer for us. And we, we, uh, we were the first app in the app stores to support the spec. And since then, we've just doubled down on it. And so, yeah, it really has been a, a merging of these two, you know, passions of mine, Bitcoin and, and podcasting. Yeah. What was the timeline on like when you guys uh, launched with Value for Value? Like how long has that been been around for Fountain specifically? So we actually launched with Value for Value in August of last year, 2021. And we've been testing the app in beta for about uh, four months prior to that. And uh, so we had the clipping feature. We were testing that in beta and then we added the lightning payments and, and launched with that. I'm sure somebody else has done this maybe already on Fountain. But as a podcaster, one thought I had too is that maybe value doesn't just have to accrue from listener to podcaster. Maybe there's you know certain things like, for example, like for Made You Think, right? Like Nat and I, Nat is my co-host. Neither of us probably want to sit down and make clips, you know, of our podcast. It takes up a lot of time. I only sometimes re-listen to an episode, you know, very rarely, actually. It's only if there's a couple things that, you know, we discussed like years later that I'm like, we did a sovereign individual one in 2017. And I've re-listened to that one because, you know, that's become more and more relevant over the years. I don't do that often. I don't think Nat does that often. One idea we've had is like, should we just pay a freelancer to go and make clips of things that would be relevant because that would help it grow, right? Because people can share those clips more easily than they can share an episode. One thought I had with the wallet feature, right? As a podcaster wallet feature is like, can I pay my listeners to like put bounties on different tasks, essentially? We have some super fans that I know would for sure do it because they listen anyway, right? So it'd just be trivial for them to, while they're listening, just make clips as, as relevant and then they can get paid to do it. Exactly. Yeah, this is something that we think about a lot. And I think one of the fascinating things about giving the listener the ability to create clips is that you as a podcaster, you as a host, you will have one particular perspective or one view on what the best moment in that episode is. And that will be down to your personality, your upbringing, your, your view on the world. But somebody else in a different group or, you know, different interests might have a completely different view on what the best moment is. And so by giving the clipping ability to the listener, you're just massively increasing the amount of moments that can be shared, uh, not only on platform within Fountain, but also outside of Fountain, because we export all the clips as audiograms. So most people will share the clips outside of Fountain and they'll get, you know, thousands of views on Twitter or on Instagram or TikTok. So yeah, as a podcaster, if you can incentivize your audience to actually create clips for you, it's a massive benefit. And that's something we've definitely thought about. And also, for example, giving listeners the ability to boost a clip and then, I don't know, maybe 50% goes to the person who created the clip, 50% to the podcaster, like stuff like that. It's just that the, the flexibility we have now we have programmable money is just, it's pretty much endless. So yeah, the, the, the use cases we have right now are just just the beginning. I mean, it feels like we're just scratching the surface, right? It's like this technology exists and we're just like, okay, what do we go do with this now? Like we like I don't think we've even come close to like one percent of all the use cases that we can do with lightning in particular. 
I mean, it's just, it's so exciting. I think this, this time that we're in right now. So maybe like a little going from all the excitement to something that's a little bit less exciting. Does any of the like crypto regulation or any of like the KYC stuff affect Fountain at all today? Like the lines are a little blurry, like where exactly, you you know, the, the regulations call for you need KYC versus you don't. I don't think you guys actually have the ability to buy Bitcoin in the app, at least as far as I've seen. So maybe that exempts you. But yeah, just kind of curious on how that affects uh, Fountain today. Yeah, it is actually something that affects us quite significantly. And we do spend a lot of time thinking about it, too much time really. And I think we probably will get to a point where, especially on the podcaster side, we will need to comply with these regulations and potentially KYC as well. So it's something that we think about a lot. I think one thing that gives me a lot of optimism around this is that this is not just the problem that Fountain is going to have to face and solve. It's every single digital product is going to have to, you know, face this issue because the reality is that the regulations have just not caught up. Like as a podcast app user that wants to, you know, send a few dollars to their favorite show, I should not have to upload my driving license or passport into that app. It makes absolutely no sense. What are you going to do? Upload your driving license to every single app on your phone. It's crazy. So I think that there's going to have to be, and also like think about the real world. That's what we have cash for. You know, you can go out and you can spend $5, $10 in cash and there's no regulations around yeah, it. I can so go I buy think... a coffee and the coffee shop does not need my driver's license to know exactly who I am. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So I think I'm optimistic that we will get some kind of regulatory clarification on the limits. I do understand that there needs to be some kind of potentially KYC if the numbers start going up significantly. But for a few dollars here and there, it does not make sense for fountain users to have to KYC. So I think, yeah, and I think the other thing is on the non-custodial side, I think the technology is developing to a state where hopefully in the future we can onboard people in a non-custodial fashion a lot more easily. So I'm looking forward to those developments. So I think that, you know, kind of a bit under the radar right now, the regulatory aspect is not that clear. And I'm just hopeful that in the next kind of six months, we'll have a combination of regulatory clarity, maybe KYC after a certain amount of a certain limit, but also a non-custodial option for users that just want to, you know, maybe pay a little bit more to have a completely non-custodial experience on Fountain. So is there a way potentially to use like, maybe this is not the right terminology, but I'll, I'll, I think you'll understand what I'm talking about to use, like, let's say a moon wallet or something like that within Fountain. So where you guys are not dealing with the actual wallet part of it, you're just almost like loading your wallet or giving permission to the app to see the the balance of your wallet. And then you can transact with podcasts using any lightning enabled wallet, basically that's external to Fountain. So then you're kind of avoiding the whole, you know, we're a wallet or we hold any Bitcoin on it for our customers. And maybe you still would on the podcaster side potentially, but on the, on the listener side, you would not be dealing with that at all. And I guess on the podcaster side, you could probably do the same thing where any of the payments go directly to their non-custodial wallet as well. Yeah, exactly. These are the kind of things that I think we'll be able to get to. Again, if you think about five years in the future, you're not going to have a Lightning wallet in every single app. It doesn't make any sense. What makes sense is to have your wallet of choice that then, um, you know, gives out permissions to different apps in order to, you know, read transactions, make payments, uh, you know, do other things like that. So yeah, I think we'll get to a place like that where you will have one wallet on your phone, be that custodial or non-custodial, and Fountain will, you know, interact with that wallet and, and make payments on your behalf. Awesome. I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're getting close to, to the end here. One thing I definitely wanted to hit before we wrap up is just what can people do to get involved? So let's say someone's listening to this on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, for example, and they're a listener and they just, you know, they say, oh, this sounds cool. Like, what is the best next step for them? And then I have a follow-up question on uh, related to that as well. Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, all of the value for value, lightning payments, podcasting 2.0, this is all incredibly exciting. But 
we know that fundamentally we need to deliver an incredible listener experience in order to ask somebody to switch their podcast app. That's a big decision for them. So I think if anyone's listening and is interested, what I would say is just please download Fountain on iOS or Android and just try it out. You can import from Spotify. You can import from Apple. Try it out and just give us some feedback. We'd love to hear your feedback on the app. And, you know, we're constantly iterating. We can build whatever you want. So that would be the number one way people could help. And then if you're a podcaster listening, uh, we have a podcaster wallet service where you can get set up on the Lightning Network in a couple of clicks. So have a look on our website for more details about that. And yeah, that's probably it, really. That's actually how outside the system is set up. We do, I use podcaster wallet for through Fountain. It was super easy. It was super easy in comparison, especially to how I had set up made you think, which took a little longer, which was not done with the podcaster wallet. I don't know if you'd launched that yet, actually, when I set up uh, that feature for made you think, but for outside the system, I did it and it took, I mean, it's what you said. It's like two clicks, basically super, you know, it's just an email verification and to verify that you actually own the podcast and you're kind of all set after that. So actually unrelated to any of this, right as we're wrapping up, what are some of the podcasts you're listening to these days? Like what are some of the, the shows you're excited about? Great question. Let me, let me just check now. I've got I, one thing is I have so many in my feed that, um, of course. Yeah. So I think obviously, <laughs> well, that goes back to clips, right? Yeah. That goes back to clips. Like it's so helpful to have, like, I feel like there's always like my list of to listen podcasts is just like it just grows and it doesn't matter how many I listen to. I can never make a dent. Uh, in it. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, yeah, so podcasting 2.0 is is the show that Adam and Dave do. Uh, that's a great one. The Kevin Rook show is one that recently I've been listening to a lot. Uh, Kevin does a show on Bitcoin and Lightning and, and some of the technology that's developed there. Tales I boosted the him the other day, actually. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Tales from the Crypt, Citadel Dispatch. Yeah, what else? All in. I also I love uh, Dan Carlin's history podcast as well, but they're they're oh, they're so pretty good. they're pretty long, so you got to make out you got to make time for them. But the value in those, like, if there's ever a podcast to boost, it is like the Dan Carlin's hardcore history. If he was lightning enabled, I would boost him so much. I think that I listened to the Supernova in the East one about the Second World War and in the Pacific, and you know it was horrific horrific but also so fascinating and so important to remember what actually happened there i feel like it should be you should have to listen to that podcast in school it's so important for the history of of what happened so yeah it's incredible and he does it in such a way that's like entertaining it's entertaining but it's not like he's trying to be entertaining he's just telling the story in just a very compelling way that makes you want to keep listening I know there was a flight I had, I think, from New York to L.A. a few years ago that was um, I was listening to there's like the episode he did on nuclear weapons and like the near accidents and stuff and super, super interesting. And the flight just flew by. Like if I could have boosted him when I landed, I would have been like, you know, it's easily deserving of twenty dollars. Right. Like no questions asked. Cause it was just that was all I did on the flight. And I think he probably because I know he um, actually sells a lot of his podcasts as premium feeds, but. That's the thing. Like his his podcast is so long, and there's so much value in there that you, yeah, you wouldn't have a problem giving a large boost, especially if you've listened to 25 hours of the of the Supernova in the East one. It's like a book, right? It's yeah. like you don't buy a book. You don't expect somebody to give you a book for free. It's almost worse if you get the book for free. You're like, oh, there's probably not much value in it. So when you go pay that fifteen twenty dollars for a book, you're like, okay, I'm paying because this is high quality content that I want, uh, that the author worked hard on and that I'm going to get a lot out of. And I feel the same way about his, we use this term podcast, right? But like this type of show that you and I just did is not the same as Dan Carlin's hardcore history podcast. Like I will be the first to say that, like this may deserve a small boost in comparison to that. I mean, I think that is like him. Each episode is like a book for what he's doing in terms of like what goes into it. I'm sure the research that has to go into something like that and his understanding of such complex topics. I mean, you're right. 25 hours. I think that was the supernova in the East one was like with all the different parts. Yeah. He would deserve, I mean, you would say a dollar per hour. I mean, that's, that's nothing, but it's easily should get a big boost for something like that. Yeah. I think once people understand that concept, the value for value concept, and also once podcasters have the 
understanding and the tools and the scripts to be able to explain it to listeners and to be able to ask listeners in the right way because it's so important how you ask so what's the right way because i'm actually going to close this with uh we're on fountain and we're value for value enabled so what is the right way for a podcaster to, to ask their audience i would say first off is Adam Curry explains this the best. He pioneered this model. And so I would say check out his interview on the Mere Mortals podcast and check out his interview on the Kevin Rook show because he goes into this in depth. So if there's any podcasters listening, definitely check those out. I'll give you the high level though, which is the first thing is don't ask for a tip because if you ask for a tip, you're going to get a tip's worth of money which is not much money. You need to ask for the value that the listener has received. You need to ask them to pay that back to you. And so it's quite a different concept. The other thing is try and frame the time that your listener has spent with you. Try and frame that and give analogies of, of different everyday purchases. So, you know, the example I give of buying a cup of coffee and having a walk in the park, for example. Maybe you buy a coffee for $5.00. You walk in the park for an hour. Okay, if you go for a walk with a podcast for an hour, like, is was it more enjoyable to walk in the park with a coffee or walk with this incredible storyteller in your ear giving you all this amazing insight about the topic you care about? That's the kind of thing that you can use to try and frame the value for value model and, and get your listeners to pay you what your what your content was worth for them. So there's some brief ideas, but definitely go and listen to Adam Curry's interviews because he's a master at it. That's going to definitely be on my list and I'll put it in the show notes too for anyone who's listening. This has been awesome. I loved hearing about all this. I feel like I know a lot more about Fountain even though I've been using it for a few months now. It's like there's so many features that I, I had no idea how they worked or how they uh, how I could use them to my own benefit as a podcaster as well. So thank you for coming on. Would love to have you back in, in the future. So appreciate it and everybody make sure you go download fountain give it a try and then share what you think uh on twitter or, or maybe some uh, what's another good place to reach out to you oscar is that the best place twitter just send send a boost to the to this episode uh, and i'll go back and look at them on fountain so yeah that's the best way awesome thank you oscar cool thanks so much neil thanks for listening to this episode of outside the system if you found the episode valuable you can go to Fountain or any other podcast 2.0 enabled player and leave us some sats. You can also leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's also really helpful if you share the episode on social media or with your friends and also just tell people about the show, make sure they subscribe. It's all really helpful and spread the word. You can reach out to me anytime with feedback at the S on Twitter. See you guys next time.